And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we pray that you would come in your own gentle way and speak to each of us in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. So today we have entered a new season. Well, actually last Wednesday, with the Ash Wednesday we service, we entered into a new season in the life of the church. This comes around every year, the Lenten season, and, and we talked a lot about that at Ash Wednesday, what Lent is about, fasting, giving ourselves over to prayer, some of the disciplines that we take up. But these six Sundays... Of the during the Lenten season are little Easter's in a way, and it's a great opportunity for us to take a break from our fast if we want to, to take a moment to celebrate the resurrection that is coming, and at the same time, the Lenten season we, we, we want to keep an awareness on these uh, Sundays where we gather in the Lenten season of just what what it is that Jesus endured for our sake, being aware of his suffering, being aware of what he gave up. So that he could meet us where we are and he could identify with our sufferings. And for the past few years, I've been led by the Holy Spirit in preparing the, in preparing the worship series for the Lenten seasons. I've just been drawn time and time again to, um, uh, to talk about some of the things that plague our society, that plague us as individuals. One year we talked about anxiety. One year we talked about grief. And this year we're going to pick up on those topics as well and look at how, what Jesus endured mentally and emotionally. How he meets us in our mental and emotional distress. And let me just be clear from the beginning here. I am not a licensed counselor. I am not a mental health therapist in any way. What I am sharing with you over these next six weeks, what we are gleaning from God's word, should not be a substitute for uh, for the psychologist that you see, the counselor you see, or that maybe you need to see, because God has gifted so many people with different gifts to meet us where we to meet us and give us what we need most. But I do offer you this in addition to the ways that you care for your mental health as well as your physical health. And I've just and the reason is this: I've discovered and and have seen over the years, and we see in God's Word as well. Working on your spiritual health can only benefit your mental and emotional health. Working on your spiritual health with God's word as your basis, with Jesus as the one meeting you in your place of of grief or your place of suffering or your place of anxiety, that can only help what you are also doing to take care of yourself mentally and emotionally and physically. And it is no surprise at all that here at the beginning of this Lenten season, we find Jesus entering into a suffering that all of us can identify with, and that is he has gone into the wilderness. All of us at some point in our lives are going to have wilderness experiences. And I do just want to bring this out as we move through the season. Our guiding image is going to be the crown of thorns that Jesus wore. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all mention the crown of thorns. Not They don't give a lot of details about Jesus' torture at the end of his life, but they all talk about the soldiers placing a crown of thorns on his head. And think about that image for a moment, how Jesus' mind felt his head literally was bombarded with thorns. Have you ever had a moment where your mind felt bombarded? Are you sitting here today thinking that you are being bombarded by thoughts and by things that you need to do, by angst, by anxiety, by regrets? All of us at some point in our lives are going to experience that. And friends, the good news is Jesus walked through 
that suffering. He knows what it's like to be emotionally and mentally on overload. And we're going to look at that in today's passage because you see, friends, Jesus's torment that he endured for our sake did not begin at the cross. It did not begin when that crown of thorns was literally placed on his head. Oh no, it started at the very beginning of his ministry. When we enter into today's passage, Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus has just been baptized by John and the heavens have opened and the voice of his father has spoken over him saying, this is my son, my beloved and him I am well pleased. Everything is going great at this point. This is a mountaintop experience. Jesus is uh, Jesus has experienced the favor of his father poured out upon him. And the very next verse is verse one today. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Think about how loaded that verse is, friends, that the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, away from the water, away from the, the, this huge moment of God's light shining For the purpose of being tempted or another translation is tested by the devil. And we see that Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and afterwards he was famished. So Jesus is in this place where if you've ever been hungry or tired or you you know that we sometimes don't make the best decisions when we are both hungry and tired. And Jesus we hear here is absolutely Famished, And what happens is in this place of complete emptiness, the tempter comes to him in verse 3. The tester comes to him and begins to say to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So often, you know, we think of temptation in this comical, I think I've talked about this in years past, in this caricatured way where you've got the devil on one shoulder telling you to do something and you've got an angel on the other shoulder trying to tell you to do something different and we have to learn to discern between the two. But friends, most of life is not really like that. The tempter will usually come to us at our weakest spot and find our weakness, find our weakest spot. Jesus was hungry. He was tired. He was famished, we hear. And he's in a place of experiencing our weakness as human beings. And also the tempter will come and be very sly in messing with our minds. And here is how he does it with Jesus. Did you hear what he said in verse three? If you are the son of God, then do this or that. And look at verse six. He goes, Satan says again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. And then once again, in verse nine, if you will fall down and worship me, I will give you all of these things. Friends, the word if is not a bad word. The word if is a great word. Without the word if, we would not have the creativity that we have. Think of all of the great ideas that started with somebody saying, what if we try this? What if we do that? Think about the scientific method, a hypothesis, medical researchers who are saying, well, if we do this, then then maybe we'll have this outcome. If we do this, then we will have this outcome. And think of the medicines that have been invented. Think of the cures that have been given in this world that began with the word if. Isn't it just like the tempter to take something good like the word if and try to drive us crazy with it? 
Because haven't you at some point in your life, I know I have, at least twice this past week, there have been moments where, uh, where, some, where people have been saying, and I've been saying to myself, well, what if we try this? What if we try that? And we have so many options presented to us, and, it's, and we're just bombarded with that word if, we can become overwhelmed. We can become trodden down because of what is just being said to us over and over. And not only that, the devil took that word, a good word, and used it to try to bring attention to himself, to try to get Jesus to make a bad decision. And thankfully, Jesus knew how to resist, and he has given us the example of how to resist as well. But here's the thing, friends. As we enter in this Lenten season, what is so important to see is that Jesus knows what it's like to have our minds bombarded. He knows what it is like to be overwhelmed. He knows what it is like to have what seems like everything presented to him that he could possibly need or want and have to stand up and to stand up and say that he is going to resist it. And we see in this that Jesus is very firm in what he does and he all and he stands up to the test. He passes the test in the end, but the testing that he goes through is not easy. And sometimes the tests we go through are not easy either. And let's be clear about something else, friends. God will never, God, God will never torture us. God will never harm us in the testing that he brings through. Now, as human beings, we sometimes have to walk through seasons where we are tested, where our faith is tried. Throughout scripture, we hear about our faith being tested, our faith being tried, and that's part of being human and being children of God at the same time. We have to go through the tests of life, but God will never cause harm. Only the devil causes harm. God will never torture us. The devil will do that and sometimes make us torment ourselves and turn on, uh, turn on ourselves and, and give ourselves a hard time falling into condemnation, falling into regret and guilt and getting overwhelmed by that. But what we see here is that Jesus knows that his father means him no harm. And we need to take hold of that as well. Let us never forget that Jesus' relationship with his father had been so cultivated up until this point. As Satan is saying these things to him and even using God's word, look in verse 6. The, the tempter even tries to take the word of God and use it against Jesus. And that's why I say it's more than the angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other. The tempter can be very sly to try to mess with our minds. And what Jesus gives us an example of here is how to respond to that. And he, and he's able to respond well because he knows his father. He has studied the word that his father gave to him. And not only that, but his earthly father, Joseph, likely taught him the word of God, likely taught him these scriptures that he knows so well. The reason Jesus is able to come back to the tempter with the truth of God's word, the enemy tries to distort the truth, but Jesus comes back with the, uh, with the truth, is that Jesus knows it. It's ingrained in him. He was taught by his heavenly father, but he was also likely taught this by his earthly father. So we as the church... We can teach each other God's word. We can learn to have that word ingrained in us. That is what it makes Jesus able to stand up to him, to stand up to the tempter. And in his baptism, his father has spoken over him and saying, this is my son, the beloved 
with him I am well pleased. Don't you know when Jesus was going through the hardest part of these temptations with one if after another trying to lure him in, don't you know he thought back to my father is well pleased, my father is well pleased with me. And friends, that is where our strength comes from. That is where our sustenance comes from is that not only does our father is does our father look with uh, upon us with pleasure, but he sent his only son to walk with us through those difficult wilderness experiences of life. And here's the great thing about the wilderness. We see here that, and it's so easy for us in scripture to say, you know, the lakeside is good, the wilderness is bad. It's easy for us to say the mountaintop is good or the valley is bad. And I want to invite you to start to move away from some of those generalizations. One of the greatest enemies in the church today is overgeneralizing and stereotyping. And there are instances in scripture where indeed the valley is a, is a place where you don't want to be. The wilderness is a difficult place to be. But everywhere we go, every season and every place in Scripture is an opportunity for God to teach us something new. And in this particular story of the wilderness, yes, Jesus went through a tremendously hard time. He went through that time for us. He may not have had a crown of thorns on his head, but he probably felt like thorns were coming from the inside of his head out. And he was identifying with our suffering, friends. He was identifying with what it meant to be human. And he wanted to do that so he could walk with us and redeem us and bring us healing. And that happened in the wilderness. It would not have happened if he had not answered the call to go into, if he had not answered the call to go into the wilderness. I believe the sound system uh, went out, went out on us. So let me come down here and finish this with you as we wrap up. Nothing like talking about the devil on the first Sunday of Lent. And <laughs> right as you're wrapping up, the sound goes out. But just to say, the, and, this is all, and this was all I was going to say here at the end. The, the desert can have gifts for you. It does not, being in a desert place in life, if you're in a desert place right now where you feel like, uh, where you are hungry, you are tired, you are exhausted, you are out of all of the energy that you feel like you have. Wherever it is that you are, remember that Jesus, remember that Jesus, that's what's most important, that Jesus went through that wilderness and he endured and he is with you in your wilderness. And the passage ends with this, with these words here again, verse 11, the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The devil was not on his shoulder. An angel was not on his shoulder. The devil fled and the angels came to him. Friends, God has sent his angels to give charge over you in whatever season of life you find yourself in. And the gift of the desert for all of us is that God meets us in the desert in the same way he meets us in the promised land. He meets us in the valley the same way he meets us on the mountaintop. So let us enter this Lenten season unafraid. May our minds be clear, may our hearts be open, and may our eyes be ready to see him and follow after him through the desert, towards the cross, and into, life at res- into eternal life and resurrection. May it be so to the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.